Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julia Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. Hop over the net and be on the same side of the tennis court. Don't end up batting balls from one end to the other across the net. This was Julia Prescott's advice on how to lead a a coalition, or more importantly, as she says, a partnership. This week, we continue in our series on really, really practical advice on leading. Julia is at heart an engineer and she's led some of the biggest infrastructure projects in the world, bringing together people to achieve something that they could never dream of achieving alone. What I wanted to ask her was, how do you lead such coalitions But as you'll see, she wasn't that interested in the word coalitions. She was interested in the word partnerships. I'll let her explain what she really learned in practice about partnership. Now, I went into this conversation with a certain amount of um, (laughs) negative feeling because my father always used to have a definition of the word partnership. He used to call it the sublimation of loathing in the pursuit of funding. But the truth is that listening to Julia, I think she makes the definition of partnership the sublimation of difference to achieve an amazing goal. So how does she do it? Julia, you've pulled together partnerships on many occasions during your career. But there was a sort of ultimate point where I think it all came, everything you'd ever learned, you really had to put into practice, didn't you? I certainly did. I certainly did. I mean, I think the 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 one that I would describe is one that I've has been quite central to my life for the last uh, the last few years, and that was a a major infrastructure project which really I took from its very very earliest stages when we all met around a a desk in an office and led that into its uh, uh, finance raising stage and now its building stage. And all the experience that I've had uh, in many previous years, I, I brought together to focus on uh, on delivering that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, often people think that partnerships or collaborations need less leading, actually, they probably need even more leading, don't they? <laughs> I think within a, uh, a, a, a partnership, I think that it's very important that everybody agrees on a common direction, a common goal. But I think that the genesis of that has to come from the leader at the core that they have to provide the inspiration, they have to provide the passion 
they have to provide the energy and around that central core i think a partnership can come together because it becomes a partnership of of like minds of people thinking uh together we're going to achieve this i think generally uh with all these minds whirling about without that 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 core energy at the center of it it's very difficult to come to that that mutual agreement and you need a strong and cohesive uh, approach, a strong cohesive thinking to bring people to that. You don't order them to do it, you bring them to it. Explain the difference between ordering and bringing. I think ordering is sometimes where people agree that they want to do something because they feel in either a, a subsidiary relationship or they feel that they are going to get something out of agreement, uh, i.e. the fact that they've, uh, they've fallen in behind the person that's ordering them. Whereas I think if you're going to actually get a group together, if they don't believe in and of themselves that actually it's a good idea, it's something that they want to be enthusiastic, they want to be passionate about, then it's not a great partnership, it's not a great collaboration, because to be frank, they're being suborned into doing it rather than being led into doing it. And they're being led by the leader's passion. I think I think it's I think passion alone is is doesn't necessarily get you there. I think the the leader's proposition, I say, would be a proposition offered with passion, but nevertheless a proposition. And it's the idea that uh, it's the longer term idea. I think then a leader is going to have to cut it down into into shorter term elements. I think that they need sometimes a leader, if they're going to get a group of people around them, needs to listen. They need to be agile with the, the structures and ideas that they bring together. And I think that sometimes um, there may be some perversity in what people say but it's always very important to listen to it. It's important to bring it in because then it enhances the whole. But I think that the leadership at the centre has to bring the general idea forward. And sort of almost embody the idea. Yes, embody the idea, carry the idea. Um, because sometimes I also think people are, people are very astute. They work out that are you selling them something that is substantive that you believe in or are you selling them you know a quick <laughs> a quick win you know agree with me uh you know we can all get on very well together but so i think you need to work through that process and make sure that there is there is conscious recognition of the core thinking behind what the proposition is but always it's a proposition and it has to be believable offered with passion offered with energy but with a degree of agility to get there in the end. So the agility is around understanding other people. The agility is understanding other people. The agility is making sure that you can work out. You're on their side of the tennis net sometimes. So hang on, wait a minute. What does the, you're on their side of the tennis net mean? That, that's well, obviously an think, analogy you know. Uh, <laughs> well, I think what you have often is you are 
on two different sides of a net. You are one, you're the firm believer, you're the person that's moving forward, you want to get going. And the other person is in the same game, but they're the other side of the net. And they're in some sort of competition with you that they don't necessarily want to believe you. They want to do something different. And sometimes you can't understand why. And it's really important sometimes to put yourself, you know, you can talk talk about going over the other side of the net, put you yourself into their shoes and work out what the view is from the other side of the net. Maybe if they come with you, they're not getting enough recognition in their own right. Maybe if they come with you, it's going to be too difficult for them in their home base. But maybe if you can sit with them, put yourself into their shoes and then say, well, actually, I understand it's going to be difficult for you to say yes to this because it's more than you'd actually do. But in the end of the day, if you do this, you're going to really succeed. So there's a question of persuasion, understanding what's holding people back on the other side of the net, putting yourself into their shoes. And then by that, gathering together so that you have a mutual understanding going forward. Now, this can only go so far. If that person's got incredibly different sized feet or if the net is very high, you might persuade them to do something. But actually, their initial misgivings might always come back and bite you later on. So as with all games, as tennis is a game, as with all games, you have to be a you have to know what the game is. You have to understand where they are. But you, you're the person with the energy carrying the proposition. You need to bring people in your direction to help you achieve that. Julia, listening to you, you could you can almost think that this is what you do at the beginning, but actually you have to do it all the way through. Is that yes, right? Yes, and I think that's that's something that determines leadership, continuing leadership. I think the initial leadership is when you have the idea, when you have the passion, when you want to bring something forward. I think that continuing leadership is making sure you've still got uh, an eye on that common goal but bringing together continually all sorts of, of of disparate interests to make sure you go on achieving that that common goal whether or not it be similar co-investors whether or not it be contractors it's the government it's uh financiers it's advisors it's it's a uh, it's quite a crew of people and you need to be continually bringing them on board, making sure that they're within your tent uh, because the most dangerous thing is the person outside the tent. And sometimes, you know, people don't want to do that. But it's really, that's when I think it's really important that you get across to their side of the net and you start thinking, well, what's the problem with that? And that's the agility. It's the agility, actually, and the stamina, isn't it? Because you must get bored of doing this all the time. Um, I don't. I, I mean, in my life, in 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 what I've done, I've always had an enormous enthusiasm for getting things to get delivered, getting things built, going on, traveling in a train that I've been involved in, looking at a road or looking into an energy line is very exciting because it's there and it's actually there to be doing something. So if you can get there, then actually these are, you know, it's not, it's not boring. It's not, it, it's actually all part of the, the, the sort of patchwork that it takes to get what you really want, which is to see something built and something done. Let's just go back to the word perfection. 
So perfection is not a good idea. I think aspiring for perfection is 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 quite dangerous sometimes because the perfection that you aspire to is is rarely achievable in in terms. I mean, in a way, the outcome has to be perfect in the sense that it has to work for the purpose for which it was intended. But I think that every step that you take along the way doesn't have to be perfect in the sense of. Uh, it all working perfectly, everybody being happy, everything being, you know, pristine in its outcome. And um, it's actually a word that it's a sort of line that I'm using a lot at the moment in relation to infrastructure delivery generally, which is to say we need pace, not perfection. I sometimes find if you aspire for perfection, you sometimes blinker yourself in in terms of coming up with different solutions because some of the solutions you come up with don't always look perfect they look like a collection of uh how can i put it imperfect uh, <laughs> imperfect solutions that are all knitted together in one form or another but actually what we need to have is getting to the outcome and i'm not saying it doesn't matter what you do and i would never say it, matter, it doesn't matter what you do to get to that outcome but we must have that as a goal and we must all work together because that's what we believe the best thing is. Now, you do go into dangerous ground there because there is a bit of, as it were, I mean, that is sometimes a justification for a sort of totalitarian approach. But I don't, I think as long as you have still your underlying belief in which you've managed to um, get people to support you and that you believe yourself that this outcome is going to be beneficial and you've persuaded them that the outcome is going to be beneficial. I think that you can you can bring people along and maybe you don't have to have that perfection in the outcome. Let's talk about the people a bit. I know that one of the things you believe very strongly is, 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 is don't inherit people. That's right, or don't have people put onto you. Um, I think when you're going with a group, you have to be very convinced that you're you're working within that for that proposition and within that group together. I think sometimes externally people th say, well, you know, I'm just going to give you so and so. And that to me is not very successful normally because you're you're you haven't gone through this process with them, you haven't gone through the thinking, you haven't gone through the persuading. They've just landed and you don't know if they have the same commitment as you. You don't know. And it's not a great post-event activity to work out whether or not they do. And you sound like somebody who's been who's who's suffered for this belief. Have you, have you occasionally said, yes, yes, of course, I'll have that person. I have. <laughs> and lived to, I and have. Lived to and, I know it. That, and I've, I've lived with it, but I've known that it's not been a great idea. And what about how do you deal with somebody who's really fighting you and who's actually really sort of poisoning the process? I think you have to recognise it, first of all, what it is. I don't think I think it's a time at which you reduce you try and reduce your your personal antipathy, because we don't mostly like people who fight with us. Reduce the personal antipathy, come back to the outcome, think can I can I cope with this? But are they stopping me from getting to the outcome? 
Are they impacting on the group that are working here? How Then how important are they? You can look at a list of saying, are they very important in terms of getting to the outcome? Are they less important? Can they be removed? And then I think that educates your response to them. Because if they're so important they can't be removed, then if they're fighting with you, you need to approach them. You need to sit down with them. You need to find everything. You need to maybe find out who they know, find out a person who would intercede on your behalf. If they're really important to stay within the process, if they're really important, if they're not important to stay within the process, you have to sit down and say and say to them quite frankly and openly, do you really need to be here? You know, do, if you have such a problem, then isn't it time maybe you detach yourself from this protest? You know, if you don't believe in the proposition, maybe you need to go somewhere else. That's if they're not important. If they're really important within the process, then circle around them, find out about them, do your thing of going back over the net. Because they can't fight you 100% of the time. And for the 99% of the time they're not fighting you, research and find out where they're coming from. If you go back to the beginning of this, you know, this perception that um, partnerships need less leading, I think this discussion has totally illustrated just how much heavy lifting is involved in leading a partnership. And it's, it's the leading bit is, is very, very full on, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, I, I, I think, I think that if, partnerships don't have but well, how can I put it best I think if you if you create a, a partnership without a clear central proposition that is promulgated by somebody who wants to, has a passion to carry out that proposition then I think that people find that they don't feel they're partners I don't think they should be you know, uh, subjugated if they're not if they're not the sort of holder of the proposition. I think the main thing is to get them themselves to come in and hold that proposition themselves. But I don't think they can generate individual propositions because otherwise I don't think you can move forward. Because you're if you're all individually doing different things, then you're all individually disagreeing with one another, some potentially. So partners come in, hold that proposition that the leader is has come up with and work as a group and the leader in this case you has to be deeply credible deeply deeply credible because if you're not you will be found out what makes you credible experience presentation knowledge connections and a sense that you can actually deliver i think i think that you shouldn't take instinct away from credibility credibility is not necessarily 100% about knowledge and i do think that women often think that they can only be credible if they have 100 110% of of knowledge about a single item that's that's part of your credibility but the rest of it is to do with presentation approach understanding and giving off a sense of of capability, because I think that you know we are very instinctive as human beings, and I think if we 
if you come to them and say, I know everything in that book, and somebody says, but we've got to do something incredibly innovative, therefore it isn't in the book, they're going to think, I don't find you credible. If you come to them and say, I have taken on board everything there is in the book, but we need now to expand that in different areas, and I've thought about this, that, and the other, you become a much more credible character going forwards. So the credibility doesn't come in the all-knowing. The credibility comes in the agility, the communication skills, the ability to jump the net to come to the other side. It it comes from those things. It comes from those things. It comes from those things. And, and sometimes knowing 100% about something is, is very helpful. But actually, in life, I think we need to know 200% about everything and we're never going to get from 100% to 200% so we've got to work on how we acquire that additional knowledge how we acquire those relationships how we acquire that experience and that's all this is at the beginning when we first talked you said you didn't like the word collaboration I think you've illustrated why haven't you why don't you um to me it 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 suggests that people are coming together almost on contractual terms, that not because they have, you know, that they are sitting in their own area of activity and then I'm going to collaborate with somebody else. So it's a sort of contractual relationship. It's not, I feel what I, I want is a bit more of a sort of a passionate relation. I want that belief. And I want, and, and that is added to the, to the wish to carry your own I don't want people to be contracted into a partnership I want them to carry their own beliefs into that partnership and carry the belief that the partnership is there for a good proposition the proposition can work I think it's beautiful I think I, I mean the truth is that there's a certain amount of chutzpah in all of this isn't there oh yes <laughs> oh yes you can't you know this is this is this is something that the um, there's a, an emotional element to this. There's a positive emotional element. The positive emotional element you have to you have to carry through, and you have to infect the people in who are, you know in your partnership that something can be done. I think sometimes these things don't happen, and sometimes they are a failure. But you have to put every last ounce of energy into believing it is possible. And that's a good spa. You know, you have to you have to show your belief, um, because if there is failure, then it may happen, it may not, but it's certainly going to happen if you don't believe in it. So when people tell you you're mad for believing, you ignore them and keep going. Is there a point at which you ask yourself if you're mad and you stop? Yes, I think there is. I think that, you know, I think that you have to be entirely passionate about what you're doing, but you cannot, you you also have to check yourself and you have to check that what you're doing is, it remains sensible. It doesn't just remain very blinkered and very, um, you know, that you're not unaware of external factors involved. And maybe you have, you do have to stop. And Maybe you can start again later. But I always would say you have to have that agility to know whether or not you want to go on un, or whether or not it's sensible to stop. Always. You can't You can't just... There's no point in charging again and again into a brick wall. It's pointless. 
But, you know, maybe over time, you can go around the side of the brick wall. But in the meantime, have you're passion. absolutely clear. Yeah. Have passion. Go for it. Thank you so, so much, Julia. That brought simplicity to complexity. It's, it's, it's too easy, isn't it, to endlessly get drawn into complexity and to not be able to see the wood from the trees. And you've absolutely illustrated that the job of leading is to produce the clarity, the simplicity, to produce clear, focused and full-on leading. Full-on being the really big word here, isn't it? You can never take your eye off the ball of leading if you're, if you're leading a partnership. There's just no getting out of the leading. There's no pause button. There's no, I'm exhausted, uh, give me a few minutes. It's ultimately um, worth it, of course, for the delight of so often achieving the impossible which clearly you have, Julia. So, thank you. Ah, next week, believe it or not, is the hundredth episode of this podcast. I find this absolutely unbelievable. A uh, hundred weekly episodes, looking back. So, how do we celebrate it? I thought it might be fun to turn the tables on me. And to ask some of the members of the first expedition to to ask me questions rather than me constantly grilling them. Yeah, let them ask me questions for a change. It was a pretty uncomfortable experience being asked questions. But that's for next week. In the meantime, lots and lots of love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website womenemerging.org that's womenemerging.org over time we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say if that's leading I'm in